Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Roger Edwards, who's the host of the popular and award-winning marketing and finance podcast, as well as being an experienced marketing professional, helping businesses with their marketing strategy, content, and social media. So Roger, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Hi Tom, thanks very much for having me on the show. Really looking forward to having a chat with you today. Fantastic, thanks so much. And just for some of our global listeners, whereabouts in the world are you right now? I actually live in Edinburgh, which is in Scotland, um, and it's actually a beautiful day today, which is uh, very unusual for this time <laughs> yeah. of year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've, we're starting to see that weather coming towards the Easter and spring, so yeah, can't wait for that to start warming up a little bit. Now, thank you so much, and I just wanted to share a little bit more about you before we do get started. So Roger clocked up many years in the big corporate world as a marketing director of several UK financial services brands before starting out his own consultancy. He now uses his expertise to guide his clients in designing engaging marketing campaigns. Now, I know that you're also an experienced speaker, Roger. So as we're going to be diving into your journey with speaking, I'd love to ask my first question which is, has it always been like this? Were you always a naturally great speaker or were things a little shaky in the beginning? It's interesting. I started doing presentations when I used to work in what I call big corporate. And, you know, we're going, we're going back over 20 years here. And I guess at the time, if I remember rightly, um, one of my bosses effectively chucked me right in the deep end. We were going out to do a, a product launch. Yeah. And um, I was a marketing uh, assistant and he, he asked me to help him put together the slides of the presentation. And, of course, in, in the days leading up to it, we, we worked together, put the presentation together and literally about 24 hours before the first of the events he said oh and by the way you're actually going to be delivering part of this presentation so it was almost like you know throwing me right in at the deep end and, and making it, it stick like that and and, and so I, I effectively went in it without any experience of public speaking at all uh, but the actual speaking part of it seemed to come quite naturally but I think that because I started in corporate and because I'd sat down with him and we'd basically put together a deck of slides I reckon the shaky start probably was the fact that what I was really doing was standing up on a stage in front of what were financial advisors and sort of using the slides almost like a script. Um, and obviously I was trying to in, be interactive and, and, and engage with them. But, you know, there's, there was always that looking behind me and checking the words and, and worrying about what the next slide was. And I guess over the years, uh, I became much better at hiding that. But for a long time, it was mainly down to let's start with the PowerPoint presentation and then take it out and do the presentation. And, and over time, as I exited from big corporate and started doing a lot more event uh, speeches, what I would say more of a proper keynote speaker, public speaker, professional speaker, I guess, as opposed to being a corporate presenter, I started weaning myself off PowerPoint and, and focusing much more on the structure of the presentations and the stories that would go with it. Right. Yeah, we've we've all seen those three hundred slide PowerPoints where 
the person's just reading word for word what's what's on the screen and they might as well read it themselves because they're a lot quicker so yeah i understand um how you've moved away from that towards storytelling so that's great now next question is when you hear the title of this podcast succeed through speaking what does that make you think of do you think that speaking is a big part of success in business i think Today, speaking is almost integral to pretty much everything, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I suppose that has really been highlighted to us over the last two years with the pandemic. We've been locked in our houses. We've been having to interact on on Zoom and Teams and this, that and the other. And of course, for a long time uh, during the pandemic period, any events which would have taken place in in a a hotel or a theatre or a, a presentation complex have had to go online and I think people of all levels have had to become used to this new reality and in reality that's what we're doing we're we're speaking Mm -hmm. whether it's in public to five or six people on the other end of a zoom call or whether we're stood on a stage in front of 10,000 people it's public speaking and I think it's become more and more important today to have this skill but as we said started off by saying it's not just enough to stick together 300 slides you know what really sets you apart from other people is the way you structure the actual presentation the way you weave stories into it the way you weave calls to action into it and maybe even how you weave different sorts of emotions into the presentation that you're giving absolutely yeah loads and loads of skills that we've got at and uh a resource we've got available as a speaker to, to bring that in to bring that presentation to life and um, so the next question and I'll come back to the point you made around zoom and the pandemic and how we've had to move into this virtual speaking world but let's think about your career then that that shift from corporate to consultant how important do you think speaking's been for your career success to date I I think that it's been absolutely pivotal um when I left big corporate with the intention of becoming a consultant, speaking was always going to be a big part of how I was aiming to get clients. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I, I wanted to write a book as well. And, and that's come along. But originally, the two things that were going to put me in front of people were public speaking at events and also the podcast that I run, the Marketing and Finance podcast, which, which um, I started after I left Big Corporate and which I still do today. And and it's still the fact that the majority of the business that I get comes from people who've either watched the podcast or people who've seen me present at events. Again, admittedly, over the last couple of years with the pandemic, that's a bit been a bit different because a lot all the events that I've spoken at have been online. And... I don't care what anybody says, you know, you, you can do a good presentation online, you can adapt it, you can make sure that it's still engaging. But I don't believe that unless you're in a real room with real people to have that proper interaction, I don't think you get as many opportunities to follow up after the event over coffee or over a beer or a glass of wine after the event. So it has changed a little bit. But it's always been the main plank of what I wanted to do. And and I did have to change, as I said, the, the approach. I had to become a better real speaker as opposed to, I would say, a corporate PowerPoint presentation reader. And therefore, I, I made sure I went on quite a lot of um, training courses. I, I studied how other speakers put together their presentations, different um, you know TED talks, that sort of thing. Speakers that I admired, and started to work on my own style. And it's interesting. Just before I left big corporate, I was 
presenting at what what I would call like a, a, a round robin corporate event, and and it, it, the idea was that at this event there was all sorts of different breakout rooms, and each breakout room probably held about thirty seats for thirty delegates, and the idea was that during the day more people, probably about three or four hundred, would rotate around these rooms. And effectively, I would have to do the same presentation. It was about seven times during the day. Um, and literally, as I was about to start the first of seven of these presentations, the bulb and the projector exploded. Uh, there was a great big uh, puff of smoke, and I'm surprised it didn't set the fire alarms off in this hotel. But unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, as it might have turned out, the organisers of the event didn't have a spare bulb. And, and I didn't have a spare bulb. So there I was just about to start doing this presentation and that I suddenly didn't have access to my 300 PowerPoint <laughs> slides. Uh, literally had to use the flip chart. And of course, that was almost like a revelation because being put right in it at that moment, I managed to rescue it, do the presentation, probably more engaging than had I had mm -hmm. the slides and of course I had to do it seven times <laughs> over the rest of that day and, and that was a sort of turning point right and ever since then you know PowerPoint is always the last thing that I look at when I put together a speech and the slides I do put together tend to be very simple pictures or just one or two words um, and and that that was how I changed my style to support the speaking business and the consultancy business yeah, and you made, made a great point there. Things can go wrong uh, in, in speaking. And I haven't talked about my backstory too much, but I, I had a big fear of public speaking, social anxiety. And I know a lot of people listening here are probably at the very start of their journey wondering if they'll ever be able to stand up on, on stage and speak. And I think one of the main things that holds them back is that fear of what could go wrong. And um, so technology will go wrong. You know, we just know it'll happen. People will walk out the room. It'll, it'll happen. Um, you know, you might forget what you were about to say. These these things will happen. But ultimately, the more you speak, the better you get at dealing with these these challenges. So yeah, one of the big lessons is to just start speaking and, and you'll you'll get a lot more resilient, I guess, as a speaker. So just on that note, when we think back to people who are just starting out on their journey, maybe they've got a little bit of anxiety around speaking. What's one piece of advice that you probably would have given to yourself, uh, a young Roger, um, in your early days of presenting? What's that one piece of advice you might have given to yourself? I think it, it would have to be related to PowerPoint again. I would say to myself, if somebody asks you to put together a speech, the first thing you shouldn't do is move that mouse pointer over to the PowerPoint icon and double click it to start yeah. PowerPoint. Leave PowerPoint alone. Start with a blank piece of paper with a pen or or even just a word um, document and start putting together the structure and and you you you've really got to think about it as as more than just delivery you've actually got to structure the the, the presentation itself so obviously talk to the organizers of the event you know whether it's a massive event or whether it's just a local thing for a few people what is it that they want you to get there delegates their attendees to change their behavior as a result of what you say you know it might be that they want you them to buy something it may be that they want to have a different opinion about a local um, attraction or whatever it is but find out what the aim is that they have for the speech that you are going to deliver and obviously find out more about the actual audience that you're mm -hmm. going to be talking to um, and the more you know about 
the the aims of the presentation the more you know about the audience that actually does take some of the fear away because a lot of the fear that we get about public speaking is that fear of the unknown isn't it it's whether you know the (laughs) the bulb's going to explode or the slides are going to fail or you're going to forget your presentation you know you can you can mitigate all of those things happening so once you know the 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 aim of the presentation i tend to then come up with sort of like the big idea Mm -hmm. um and if you this is a personal thing to me but i tend to try and look for a almost like a strap line or a jingle around that big idea that i can constantly weave into presentations so one of the presentations i do a lot is about complicated marketing and how we should make it simple and and the phrase that i came up with that i use is is engage don't enrage (laughs) and the idea is complicated stuff enrages people whereas Mm -hmm. simple stuff in in, engages people and it's a nice little three like three word phrase that you can weave into the presentation quite a lot so you've got your big idea you've got your jingle that you can repeat and then it's really just thinking about how can i demonstrate the points that i want to make preferably preferably with stories then those stories could be from your own experience. They could be stories you've seen on TV. They could be experiences that other people have had and they've given you permission to use them and, and try to weave those stories in to make the points to yeah. the audience that you want to make. Yeah, I love that thought of having that one main idea because ultimately if an audience sits and listens to a 60-minute presentation, a week later, chances are they'll only remember one part of that presentation and, yeah. and that might as well be that core message that you've weaved in throughout. So yeah, great advice. And and we also have listeners who are at the other end of their speaking career. Maybe they're speaking on stages, but they're not yet getting paid to do that. So have you got any advice for people who would like to become a keynote speaker or a paid speaker at some of these big conferences that happen? I think I think the um the thing is just to stick at it. Mm-hmm. We all know, unfortunately, that there is a lot of events out there who just won't pay their speakers. Yeah. Um, it, it's a massive bone of contention. You know, I get really frustrated when people phone up and say, can you do this presentation at our event, but we don't have a budget for speaking. Mm-hmm. But just think of all the exposure you'll get. And, you know, my immediate sort of reaction is to bite my lip uh, or I want to say, well, I'm afraid that exposure doesn't pay the bills. You know, yeah. exposure doesn't pay the mortgage. But the sad fact is there are events out there who don't pay. And and it is annoying because they'll be paying the venue. They'll be paying the people who make the coffee. They'll be paying the audiovisual uh, technicians. But for some reason, they don't seem to think that they should pay the people that people are ultimately going to go mm. and come and listen to. I think the thing is, is that you stick at it, turn yeah. up, do some speeches. Maybe for I mean I I had to do this for quite a long time. Do it for free, and then eventually you will start to be connected with those people who are willing to start giving you some uh, some money for speaking. Um, you know, yes, you can approach people. You can tell people what what your your fees are. But if you've got that back catalogue of events that you've already spoken at and even better you've got video of yourself performing that you've taken at those events then it all starts to add up gives you gives you more um of an of an opportunity to start being paid to speak mm-hmm. yeah. but you know even now there are events that i will decide that it's actually in my it's in my it's it's a benefit to me to actually go and, and do it for free i do have one red line and that is i never 
I never pay to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are quite a few conferences out there. Hello, Mr. Edwards, do you fancy coming and speaking at our conference? It'll only cost you 10 grand. Yeah. What? Oh, well, that means you get in front of 500 people. I'm sorry, but, you know, and the sec- I suppose the second red line is that if you're going to turn up and do it for free, I think the least they could do is pay for your travel. Mm-hmm. But that, that's my, that's my yeah, personal yeah. opinion. Yeah, great. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for that advice. And, and I think just one topic I want to just swing back to, or loop back to, should I say, is this concept of the virtual conferences and, and potentially even hybrid conferences. We've, we've just had a two-year pandemic. We've all been locked down at home and we've been on Zoom and Teams and all those different platforms. Is that here to stay or do you think the world's just going to go straight back into face-to-face speaking events? That's a really interesting question. And I think that we will see a lot more hybrid stuff going mm-hmm. on. I don't believe that high, that uh, online or hybrid will replace real life because, as I said before, there is nothing better than doing a real in-person conference you know the the thrill of actually standing on a stage can't be beaten and you never ever get that in in by doing it virtually because you you can't see the audience and even lots of little squares on zoom doesn't feel like an audience Uh, however i think that what the pandemic has shown is that you can get a bigger audience if you do do a hybrid event or at least if you give people access to the 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 online sorry to the the real life in person thing online yeah it is a very difficult balance though because i really don't think it's enough to sort of go back to a big event theater stick a load of cameras on the bottom of the stage and then just stream the speaker because somebody sitting and watching at home is probably not going to get the same experience as somebody sat in the theater so you've got to give them something to compensate for the fact that they're not actually in the room yeah and they can't go and have a coffee with everybody else or have lunch with everybody else or or whatever it might be and and that's quite difficult you, you know you're almost thinking about creating two events with about 50 percent of it overlapping and that can be very expensive but the fact is that i i actually work uh, one of my clients is a big financial services conference and what we found is that you know, the finite number of people that we can get into the venue that we always use is about 350 people. When we did do the virtual version of that conference during the pandemic, there was about a thousand people watched mm. it. Yeah. So you're now thinking, well, actually, how can we help those, I can't do the math, 650 other mm-hmm. people that can't fit into the actual room? What can we do to actually engage them? And in the end, we did, we did a sort of, um, highlights video which wasn't virtual obviously yeah. but it, it was it was it was it worked for that particular audience but yeah I, I think the combination of live and virtual will carry on but personally I really am very excited about being back in a real life event stage and I've done Absolutely. a few already and, and that that's that's the best as far as I'm concerned excellent thank you so much and, and the last question from me is if anyone's listening and they're interested in either booking you as a speak as long as they've got budget and or finding <laughs> out about your marketing ca- campaigns where can people connect with you online all right my my website is rogeredwards.co.uk um i've got a dedicated speaker page on there as well as right. the information about the podcast but if you want to get in touch with me quickly twitter is probably my favorite social media um, platform and that's roger underscore edwards 
Great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Roger, again, for your time today. I really appreciate you coming along and sharing your background and also some great value with that audience. Thanks, Tom. Great to see you. Thanks. 